on demand. If you would please look with me, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, I have a question for you today about the road you're on. I want to talk about your future. I want to get you to think about and have what I call a courageous look at where you're going. We've been working through a number of studies in the past few weeks. The whole year, uh, it's about being courageous, and we're going to do some courageous things. It starts with a courageous conversation, a courageous conversation about your life, a courageous conversation about the choices you're making. And we started in January, went through the year, and now we're at a place where we're talking about your past, your present, your future. Can you say this with me, please? Come on. Your past your present, your future. We started this series at the beginning of the month with a look at your life in the past, and I asked you to take a courageous look at your past. And if you were to take a courageous look at your past, what would you learn? What, what would your past teach you? What lessons would you learn if you took a courageous look back and say, that taught me three things? What would be those three things? about money, about life, about marriage, about relationships. What did you learn? Then last week I asked you a question. I said, take a courageous look at your present life. And I talked about you're here now, working with what you have in your hand. Moses was asked a question, what do you have in your hand, Moses? When Moses didn't believe he could do anything else in life, he didn't believe he could go and conquer this great challenge that was in front of him. He said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a stick. Let's start with that. God starts not with what you think you need in the future or what you lost in the past. He starts with what you have in your hand. And then this week, we talk about your future. And so my big question is right now, if you were to look at the road you're on, where in the world are you headed? What will my future look like if I stay on this same road? Where am I going? You get in the car with the person, the first question they ask you is, where are we going? And it's really a fair question. So where are you going? Now, some people think it's accidental, but I don't believe that. I believe you sow yourself, plant yourself. The word sow is not commonly used today because you're not farmers, but a farmer would understand that. Take a seed, put it in the ground, and it grows. So I want to ask you a question. What are you sowing today? There's a verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 that says something that's so simple but yet profound. It's a principle. Here's what he says. Do not be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't trick yourself. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever. There's a big word. Say whatever. whatever. Come on. No, it's just not. A man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, there are four words I've highlighted for you. And I've divided this into four parts so you can see it simply. But the word, same with me, please say whatever. whatever. Sows, that, and reap. In my notes, whenever you're following me in my notes, the bold print is where the power is. And I want you to think with me about how these four words tie together to explain a principle to you. Now, there is a second big question that I want you to think about, and it just kind of gets us going down the right road here, is what did I sow, what did I do to sow myself here, here. What can I do to sow myself to the place I want to be in the future? What did you do to put yourself in this financial place? What did you do? Now, we can talk about unfairness and understand that. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let's just have a conversation. What did you do to get to this academic place? 
What did you do to get to this career place? What did you do or not do? Now, let's be honest for a minute. We did something to get here. Something brought us to this place. Now, people often like to pretend, I don't know how I got here. No, we can figure it out. If you're honest and open up the, open up the, you know, the cupboards here and let's see your story and, and look at your attitudes toward life, love, relationships, and look at you through the years, we can figure out how you got here. Now, the question is not just how you got here, but how are you going to get there? There. That's what we're talking about, the future. And if you take a courageous look at the future, it's amazing. I love to ask this question. I love this. This is one of my great questions. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you save the same amount of money you saved last month, how much will you have in 10 years? Just think about that for a second. If you do the same exact thing you did last month, how much money will you have in how many years? 10 years. Some of you say, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. If I do the same thing I did last month. There's something about taking that moment when you back up and say, let me take an honest hard, courageous look at my choices. Mm, mercy, God. There's some things I like. I like to eat. <laughs> did you know, did you know how much sugar is in some orange juice? I did not know that. So I'm real careful. I drank mainly water. For some reason, all the sodas have been banned from the church. Some, they disappeared. I don't know. They just all left. <laughs> but I was horrified. Horrified, horrified, horrified. To think about how much you put that in a good sandwich with some stuff in it, and you put it together, whoo, soda and a half. Plus. And, I, you know, you just got to. Make a moment. You got to make a decision in your life. I'm not against orange juice. I'm, you know, I'm don't, don't, don't go turn on all orange juice, okay? I'm just simply saying, know what you're doing. Look at the ingredients. Look at the back of it. Then there, there's a moment when I ask myself, if I want to be at a certain place physically, I need to turn the package around and at least know that I'm drinking a soda and a half. Plus. I just need to know. I need to know. If, if, I want, if I want it to be right, and I'm, concern, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned that all of a sudden, and I'm not against, don't, get, don't, don't take the orange juice thing go crazy. I'm just saying there's something I didn't know. I, there are things I just, I'm the, and I, I say this sometimes, I was the dumbest one in the room. I'm the only guy that didn't know that. You ever felt like that? You ever been someplace and you're the only person, everybody else knew it, but you didn't know it. And there are things in my life and I just didn't know. So I sold myself to a place and ended up in results, having results I didn't want. This is my final big point. Consider the possibility that your past, present, and future experiences are all tied to what you plant in the soil of your life. Consider that. Consider the possibility that your past, your present, and your future experiences, all the things you've experienced, are all tied to what you plant in the soil of your life. But there is an exception. The exception is there are times when people outside of you violently sow or bring things into your life without your permission. There are times when a friend 
brought something into your life. There are times when your parents brought something into your life that you did not ask for. An abused person did not ask to be abused. There are times when something happens to you. God knows that. But let's take what happened to you and combine it with what you do to yourself. If someone sowed a bad seed, don't sow five of your own seed in there too. At some point, you need to pause and say to yourself, I need to have a courageous look at my future and make some decisions. And here, here are a couple of decisions I want you to make. Number one, decide your whatever future. Come on, say it with me, please. Come on. Decide your whatever future. You decide your whatever future. I love this verse. First of all, you decide your whatever. Secondly, you decide what you sow. Thirdly, you decide what the that will be in your life, and then you decide what you will reap. Now, follow me back to number one, and let me show you how you decide your whatever. I want you to see life as a blank sheet. And you get to write on that sheet what you want for your life. You make the decision. Do me a favor, would you please, sir, hand me my, my paper over here. I got a paper I brought just for them. It's a red right on the organ. I brought this for you. And I brought, bring, bring all that stuff over there. I brought a bunch of stuff. Just bring it over here for a minute. And just bring all my, all my, all my paraphernalia. Thank you, sir. You can sit over there and wait for me. I'm going to give it back to you in a second. Hold this. Now, now, this is a blank sheet of paper. Okay. You get to write on this sheet of paper what you want. You can write on here anything. This is your life. You decide whatever you want to write. You ever have people tell you that? Say, whatever. No, stay with that too. Say, whatever. whatever. You know, if I say, watch this. What do you want to eat? Whatever. See? Attitude. Whatever. Whatever you sow, you write it. And if you choose to scribble, and that's your life, you scribble up your life, it's your life. You make a decision in your life. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Now, I'm going to show you this real quick, and I'm going to show you. These are some books, little books, booklets I wrote in my personal life. I've got to decide, do I live by the word or what I think? Whatever. Everybody say it again. Come on. What's heavier? My words that I wrote in the book, or what do I write? What do I live by? It's a blank sheet. You decide. When you decide in your life, thank you, sir. When you decide in your life, what you want, that's where it all starts. You decide whatever you want to put on your blank sheet. You decide your potential. Next week, uh, we talk about potential. We talk about the fact that you decide you have a great part to play in your potential. And you have to take a courageous look at it. What is my potential? Well, it's all linked to your past, present, and future choices. Your past, present, and future choices impact your potential. It's all tied to choices, and it's all tied to sowing. So whatever you decide, whatever you sow, which basically means to choose, to adjust, to replant, you come to that moment. I, I've just come to these places where I've said to myself, temple. Are you tired of that yet? Are you tired of that yet? 
Whatsoever a man sows, say it with me, please, come on. That, no, say it with me, what? That shall he reap. What is your that? Can you remember a that in your life? Can you remember a, a that you regret? Can you remember a that you wish you could do over again? At, at some point, if you can take a courageous look and say, look, I have a moment in my life when I can start all over again and plant something and not have those regrets. I can plant something that, that grows that doesn't bother me. I can plant something and say, I can have a harvest again. I can change everything in my life. I can make a decision. I was in a class one time, and I never will forget, a lady said to me, she's one of my favorite teachers, she said to me, she's a professor, she said, I, I don't have students, the life some of you have. And she wasn't bragging. She was just, it, was, it was an administration class, and she just, all of a sudden, just kind of um, just paused. And, and she says, I chose not to be married all my life. I chose to give my God life to, to the work of God, so I'm not um, going to get married. And she says, I have not had sex. And she went through this list of things I have never done. I don't have a bunch of debt. I did. She just went through this list, and she says, now some of you, that's where you live. And you live with regret. And she started to cry, and she says, it's so amazing to not have those regrets in my mind. And I pray for you. I pray for you because you spend so many hours regretting choices and trying to manage seeds you've planted in your life and trying to step over stuff. Why don't you stop where you are now and live without the regrets? Take them all and put them in a box and put them over here and live free. Wouldn't it be nice to not do that again? Wouldn't it be nice to not have that grief over you again? Wouldn't it be nice to live a life? Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly, but it doesn't matter if you mess it up and decide to not make the right investments in your life. And this is about your life. You get to decide who you will be. That is not God's decision. Let me say it again. That is not God's decision. God make me great as if he does that alone. Who dressed you today? Nobody said anything. That was scary. One person. <laughs> One more time. Who dressed you this morning? Thank you, Dan. You were involved in this process. The assumption that it's God's job to dress you, fix you, do all the work for you. And you have no involvement. You have no part in this. This is all his issue. So you're mad with God. Explain that to me. You, you, how in the world could he possibly be the only one responsible? Here's a great line. God, all these hungry children in the world, if it was a God, why are there hungry people in the world? Well, how many of you fed? I'm just wondering. How many have you taken care of? That's a half a clap. I'll take that, but that's okay. Come on, amen. Come on, that's a good point. If, if you make $40,000 a year and you have not spent $35 a month, I 
I don't understand. I don't understand. The motivational moment that you're going to see this come on TV this week is talks about that. What is God doing? What is God doing? Oh, he needs to do something. And I turned around and said, what did you do? What did you do? Look at your giving, charitable giving for the year. Tell me what you did. And here's your prayer. Bless me, oh God. Pour out more finances on me so I can buy myself a bigger car and a house and get myself some fancier shoes in the name of Jesus. Really? I, I want you to understand there's something, there's something wrong with that picture. And, and, and I don't know that we really capture how this works. But your future is tied to your values. It's tied to where you put your emphasis. And here's what we tend to do. We tend to put our emphasis in a place that's more fleshly driven than spiritually driven. And here's, what, here's what Galatians chapter 6 verse 8 says. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap what? Corruption. One more time. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, when people read this verse... They get, depending upon who reads it, they get this real spiritual interpretation. Here, it sounds like this, okay? This is not what it means, but this is what it sounds like. Well, if you sow to the flesh, that's your skin. They, they think the flesh is your skin. Or if you sow to the flesh, they'll say this is your carnal nature, which no one understands what that even means. Not really. They, they couldn't explain it to you. It sounds like they kind of get it. But it's not simple. Here's what it really means. It's, it's not so much about Skin, flesh has to do with your personal convictions, your core values. The, the, when, when, he, when they talk in, 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 in theological terms about your sinful nature, they're talking about the natural you, what you would naturally do, is normally not what God would do. That's why they call it your sinful nature. Your normal tendency is to go contrary to what God would do. He'd go left, you'd go right, or he'd go right, you'd go left. He would forgive them, you'd hit them. You follow what I'm saying? And so his goal is to help you be born again, come to a relationship with him, and then you take on his natural tendencies, love, mercy, forgiveness, and so on. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and so on. In other words, the more I'm around you, the more I act like you. There, there's a, and I illustrated that last week, there's a, it becomes a natural part of your life. When a basketball player dribbles the ball, the guy automatically goes into the defensive position. He knows that it's a natural part of his life. A person who is spiritual is not a person who does this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, mm, mm, mm. I feel him. I feel him. That, that's the spirit. No, that could be gas. I mean, it could be anything. That is not the spirit. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being honest. That's you know, when I first started preaching, this is when I felt the pressure. It really, when I first started preaching. Because, I, 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 you know, you're trying to do what everybody does. And so what they would do is everybody would squint. So I start squinting. Because that's, that's the sign of spirit. I'm in the, oh, there, 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 that's the spirit. There it is. That, that's, it, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm in the spirit right now. I'm not, I'm not in myself. 
I do believe God comes on you. I do believe the Holy Spirit comes. I'm not making fun of that. I'm not making fun of that. But you got to be careful that you don't define, hey, no, that's not necessarily that. That's not, that, that's not, that's not the, enough proof. We need more evidence than that. Or that you feel excited. I was in the service one time, and this guy said, oh, oh, the Spirit came on me. He already preached an hour. He'd already preached. How long did I say? Uh, one more time. How long had he preached? All right. He preached one hour, and he said, oh, oh, I know I'm supposed to dismiss, but I got another word. That boy went another whole hour. Wore me out. That was not the Spirit. He had the microphone. He was happy. You have to be very careful that you don't start defining things in ways that ignore the real thing. Here's what he says. This is important. And, I, I, I don't, and again, I'm not trying to be funny at all. I, I really mean this. He who sows to his flesh, which means he who sows to his own personal convictions, his own personal convictions, if you are driven by how you feel, the temples see it this way. Will you trust your flesh or personal convictions? Will you make that your tool that guides your life? Will you trust the Holy Spirit's personal convictions and guidance? Who will you trust? Who's going to guide you? God's word. Remember earlier, right? God's word or books you've written? Which one has the most power? The temple way or God's way? Which one wins? When we get into a moment of tension, do I talk to you the way God would or do I talk to you the way the temples do? You know, we don't take that. Let me tell you something. You don't know me, do you? Well, let me tell you who I am. I will go upside your head, amen. See, that's that simple. There you go, right there, bam, ready to fight. That, that, that's, that's not God's way. And if, you're, if you look at your life and say, how do I respond? How do I manage my love life? How do I manage my money? How do I manage my attitudes? Is it my way? Is it flesh or is it spirit? Are you with me now? Come on. Come on, amen, you're with me. That, and that's, that's a decision you make all day long. Jesus said it this way. I love this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. He said, according to your faith or what you believe, according to your faith, that's what's going to be done under you. There's something about what I believe. And here's how you see what I believe with the choices I make. The seed I sow. The things I do. When a church is built, you can tell the belief of that church by the building they build. They build one big sanctuary, no classroom. They don't plan to teach anybody. Small groups. You can, you can look at the way they manage life, man, manage schedules. People think, I'm, I'm being, um, you know, I'm being, um, he's, he's all worried about time. He's going to try to get us out of it. Yeah, I'm letting you go in a few minutes because I want you to come back. I have a conviction <laughs> that you won't keep coming back. If I hold you here too long, is that a bad thing? No. What is your conviction? It says a whole lot when I keep you here longer than makes sense. It says that I think I'm a priority over your life. It makes a profound statement. When you ignore, when you ignore the fact that I am so driven by my own flesh and my own convictions that I ignore 
everything everybody else says to me. And let me say this to you as a sidebar. That's why your relationships are challenged. Because when you enter into a relationship, you come in it with your convictions and your bag of views, and that is all that matters. And if they want to love you, they got to do what you say, the way you say it. And you go from relationship to relationship trying to find a slave who will do what you say. And you let them know in the, be- in the beginning, the last one I dated did not obey the rules, and he is gone. And if you don't love me the way I say, you will be gone too. Pack your bags. Your convictions, right or wrong, prayed about or not, this is how you live. But there is a final thought, verse 9. You get to decide whether you're going to face what I believe are the four enemies to your future. Your decision, you get to decide. It's not mine. You decide your whatever future, it's whatever you decide. You decide, and I, I want to say this. I do understand that some people have gifts and others don't. It doesn't mean you can be anything and everything you want to be. I don't believe in that. I can't be Michael Jordan, trust me. Um, <laughs> I will not have an NBA career at this season of my life, even though they miss me, but I won't be there. <laughs> no, they don't. That's me fantasizing. Decide, I decide. I, I'm involved in this process, but in the end, There are four enemies that can affect me. Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing what? Good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those who are the household of faith. There are four things I want you to notice in there. First of all, he warns you about something called exhaustion. I call exhaustion. Growing weary. I, I, I don't mind working hard. I just think that some of us are exhausted. Your life, your choices, the seed you sow, you sowed yourself to a place of exhaustion. Your family is too busy. You have not trained your kids to rest. You have allowed them to be in 18 sports and 19 events, and you are exhausted. You drag yourself to a vacation once a year and fight all the way there and fight all the way back. Even that exhausts you. One of, the, one of the most surprising things I say to people is I'm not tired. As busy, and I rarely use the word busy because I think it just bothers people because they just assume I am. But I, I, my life is managed. There's something healthy. I, 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 I want to say it lovingly. I almost fear exhaustion. I don't mind working hard, but I think that when I'm exhausted, I don't think straight. Every guy, listen to me, every guy that I have known who has morally fell, there was one common link. He was tired. She was tired. And they were off in their thinking. And they look for a moment of pleasure someplace that just burned them out. That is a place where you may make a lot of money for a minute, but you will lose more of your soul than you gain in the long term. Work hard, but work smart. Number two. Another enemy of your future is quitting. Let us not grow weary while doing good. If you stop doing good, you stop doing the things that are right, eventually you, you put your future in jeopardy. I tell my staff, I one of my favorite sayings, 
Find something that's good or right and do it over and over and over and over again. Whatever is right, do it over and over and over again. There is a right way. There's a good way. There's a way to treat my wife that works over and over and over and over again. Something simple, some small things that make a huge, huge difference. There's, there, there are things that you can do over and over and over again that can change everything in your life. Thirdly, ignorance is a threat to your future. Listen to what he says. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, notice what he says, in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. I believe this part about the due season is something you need to understand. What is the season? If you're ignorant of the season you're in, like, for example, I am in a season of life that I need to understand. I always study ahead of my seasons. I love the book I'm reading called Courageous Aging. I'm reading about five books or so on aging. I believe that as you age, you need to understand it. And if you're living with a person, a woman, I had Diana in her 20s. She was way different than she was in her 30s, 40s, 50s, and now 60s. I've had her for a lot of decades. And in the 30s, Diane was the woman who, uh, new wife, she wants to, I, I tell the story about how she made me the strawberry shortcake and how she went all out of her way to make it, and we just got married, and I drove the car to work. We had one car, and she, you know, just stayed home and walked where she wanted to go. That's not a 60-year-old Diane. <laughs> Diane quickly de- declared, I will drop you off to work. <laughs> come, on, come on, say amen. See, that when you're younger, you're, you're sometimes a lot more pliable. Than, but once Diane got to a certain age, it was all, all that was over with. I want you to understand how I feel, what I think. And there's an amazing moment when you understand that. Sometimes you just don't understand the season. Don't grow weary. Don't keep doing good. And in due season, understand the season because here's what's going to happen. If you don't lose heart, if you don't become discouraged, you'll reap. But the problem is we become so discouraged. Depression is such a big problem. You have lost your sense of excitement about life. And you can't even see the future, the potential. That's why that song I played at the beginning touched me so. It touched me because the song said, there's a new day rising. There's a new day rising in my life. And I want God's best for my life. I hope I encourage you today. And I hope you are confident that your God is able to give you a future. Next week we talk about your potential. If you learn something, give me an amen if you learn something today. Praise God. Father, I pray that what we've talked about in these 31 minutes or so would have lifted hearts both here and at home. And all those who are tuning in on demand, bless them, oh God. Let this be a place of healing and a time when they would say, I'm, I'm going to take a courageous look at my past, at my present, and begin to have some courageous dreams for my future. I want to be honest about my level of discouragement. I want to look back at things I've quit doing. I want to be, look, take an honest look at the things that I do. Am I doing the right thing over and over again? Sometimes it's hard to do that walking thing every week. It's tough to work out. It's tough to eat right. It's tough. It's tough to hold my tongue and not participate in the gossip or not go in a a direction that I know is wrong. 
But if I do the right thing over and over again, the Bible says I will reap in due season. Father, I thank you and I praise you for helping me understand the season I'm in. That some, for some, it's not a season of prosperity. It's a season of hard work. It's when I'm building the business. It's not a season to buy the new car and the new plane and all the other stuff you dream of. It's the time to work now. This is a, this is a forward season. This is an apartment season, not a home season. Help me to understand the joy of the season I'm in. And Father, I pray that as we look courageously at our future, that we will be people who believe that whatever we sow, whatever we decide to sow, that you have the power and the ability bring that into our lives. So with every hand lifted, Father, heal, bless, deliver, strengthen, encourage. May people leave this place today saying, I, I'm free. Jesus died on the cross to free me, and I'm free. Now, every hand down, every head bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing this message, I realize that my life needs to start with a brand new walk with God. What you said today spoke to me. And I, I want you to pray for me because I want to start a walk with Jesus. You may be a good person. You may have had great intentions all of your life. But you want me to pray for you because you know your walk with God needs a fresh start. You need to give your life to Jesus in a new way. Some of you have never done that. And so if you want me to pray for you, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me? I see you. I see you. You. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me? I see you. I see you back there. Anybody else pray for me? There's something powerful. There's something powerful about saying, yeah, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. All right, let's all lift our hands now. Father, we lift our hands. We thank you for these who said, pray for me. They want to start a walk with Jesus. Some of them are in a unique place in their life. You died on the cross to free us. You died on the cross to give us a brand new beginning. I thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And I thank you for Calvary's cross. We believe that your sacrifice for us means a lot. We love you and we celebrate you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Listen, here's what I want